0: Today's episode of the One Podcast is brought to you by Town Hall Brewery, located at Seven Corners on Minneapolis' West Bank. Town Hall has become the place to catch soccer, whether it's Minnesota United away games, pre-gaming for home matches, or the top international games like both U.S. National Team World Cup qualifiers last week. Next month in July, they'll have the big screen up to show each U.S. Gold Cup game. So Make sure to swing on by, grab a pint, and watch the action. And now, this week's show. of the One podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter, and uh, Wes Burdine is gone. He is currently being scouted by Manchester United to fill their target forward opening. And so he is under some intense scrutiny from the media right now. Um, Antoine Griezmann turned them down, so Wes Burdine was the logical next choice. Um, and next on our depth chart, of course, is friend of the podcast, Jeb Brofsky. Hey, Jeb. Ah, good luck, Wes. <laughs> what do you think his chances are? Who does he profile like as a striker? Uh... I'm thinking... The, I can't
1: read Wes, you know? I think he... I, Wes is in a... He's playing a game of his own. I, I just think he's in a league of his own. He does mm-hmm, his own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, I'd, I'd be scared to defend him. I think he's a loose cannon. I, I, loose cannon's a good way to put yeah. it. I think he combines the pace of a Peter Crouch with the physicality of a Joao Plata. Mm, and...
1: That might be generous.
0: That, that Yeah. That might be generous. But that's... Uh, he doesn't have the low center of gravity. No, he's got a very high center of gravity. <laughs> it's too high. It's bad
1: for ACL. Heads up! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pouring one out for you yeah, right now. Pour one out. <laughs> so Jeb's back. Jeb is here to uh, to co-host. Um, it's a week without any Minnesota United action to talk about, which is good because, just a little disclaimer here, Jeb is training with Minnesota United, which means I'm not going to ask him to give any sort of opinions on players on the roster right now, game plans for the team. Any of those kind of harsh Minnesota United-related things will come from me um, as Jeb operates me like a marionette. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, just assume it's him. If you um, want to know personal things about Minnesota United players, then you can just tweet at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's at Jeb Brofsky. Get it ready. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start, as always, with the good, the bad, and the weird. And the good is very obvious this week. It's Arena Rock. where We're looking at how Bruce comes into these two massive World Cup qualifiers with the U.S. national team, still seven months on the job, and walks out with uh, four points. Um, not bad, huh?
1: No, I think you've seen kind of a new energy to this national team that I think has been missing a little bit that uh, in in these games that are, are, you know, the Trinidad's that are must wins. Now um, they took care of business, you know, maybe it wasn't the prettiest game, but it was, is what you have to do in these qualifiers and, or these, these international games and the Mexico game, obviously like, uh, the Mexico game, you need to get at least a point. I think at, at this point where we're at with the U.S. men's national team, we're expecting to go to Azteca and to bring back a point.
0: Right. And lo and behold, they do. So the you've played double game weeks before, right? Yeah. And so you're used to the travel component of it. You're used to having to get ready in four days' time to kind of regen, whatever it takes. Going from Denver to Mexico City, was such a trip that seven of the eleven players who started in the Trinidad and Tobago game ended up not starting. and I think five of those seven didn't play at all. yeah, is that a surprise to you or does that squad rotation? Did that make sense to you when you saw the lineup come out?
1: Uh, you know when I think I, when i when I saw the lineup against Trinidad in Denver, I kind of uh, I, I thought that Bruce had his eye always on Mexico, and i I could see that just the way the 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 guys he was playing that maybe, he had a, a different game plan for for Mexico, um, and obviously when he did change all those all those guys up, the altitude. Obviously, no one else. You know, we always make fun of the altitude. Um, but you know, talking even with Kevin Molino in the in the locker room, he, name drop. He, yeah, he was talking about uh, you know um, the altitude, and he was asking me, you know, what what you know you are from Denver. What uh, what what <laughs> you know do you ever? you ever get altitude sickness did you feel a
0: patriotic stuff. allegiance to steer him wrong
1: yeah yeah i told him to go talk to someone else no it's <laughs> a, i uh it's it is a factor um you know i don't think it's a factor if um you know it's it's tough to say that it's a factor because both teams have to deal with it and both teams are flying in both teams are uh on the same pitch the same day however um you know i think they they handled it well going into mexico i think the, the guys who didn't play Um, stepped up and I thought they played pretty well Um, they looked fresh they looked like they were they were buzzing it's hard not to be buzzing in Azteca with all those those uh, people right yeah um, to be honest it was the first time that I saw uh, Christian Pulisic look like a teenager we're uh, talking
0: about the Mexico game, not the Trinidad one. Game, Unless uh, your your sorry, sorry, yes. your typical teenager, my typical teenager scores scoring two goals two goals a game. He's the yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas yes. of soccer right he, now.
1: Yeah, he would be the dream teenager for me. When I was eighteen, I was like, you know what, I wanted to be that. But
0: that's a that's a pretty I, low bar. I couldn't okay. go there. No, interesting. Um, so, but then, okay, in the second game in the Mexico the game, the
1: second game it was the first time I thought I saw him uh, with some teenage moments. Maybe getting physical. Um, you know, he got he got bumped off the ball a couple times. Uh, but but then again, you know there were sparks where he would, you know, cut across the field and and make a couple defenders miss, and you saw that that high quality of talent that he that he has, and and um, he seems like a humble kid too, which seems great for the U.S. men's national team future. Yeah,
0: well, he's humble in a sense of like his own stock. He isn't saying he's the best player, but he's also cocky in the sense of like we're gonna walk into Azteca and get three points right after the game. And he walked it back a little bit, right? Because he's a child, right? But he, I mean that—that's I mean, something. Could you
1: imagine having that much, that much, just like fame and U.S. soccer fame at 18? Yeah. And be on social media, you know, like just out of high school. I mean, mm-hmm. that I can't imagine that. Let alone going into Azteca saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take some points." I mean, the kid has some confidence that you know it's yeah. it's next level,
0: and it helps. I mean, especially for 100%. a player like that trying to step into that sort of atmosphere. I think. He must have been one or two when Demarcus Beasley got his international debut. All, all things considered, so Beasley stepped in. He um he he is the first player in the U.S. to play in five qualifying cycles for the World Cup and playing in earnest in the like the major that the Hex yeah. or whatever it was before the Hex too. Mm-hmm. So he comes in. The one goal Mexico did score actually came down his left side. Yeah. So. You're someone who plays fullback. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're able to watch the game from a, a defensive perspective. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that. I know it's a it's a quick counterattack, which is always a little hard to play, but Beasley seemed to at least start in the right position. Am I, am I wrong on that?
1: Yeah. So it came off a corner kick and uh a couple a couple whacks at it in the six yard box, you know, didn't bounce their way, fine. Um, but uh, you know, the Mexican goalkeeper picked it up threw it right away. Um, he obviously saw something that, uh, you know, some weakness in, in the uh, U.S. defense and thought they could counterattack. And And to their credit, I think they, they did it very well. Um, I think they found, obviously, Chicharito, who cuts across Acosta. Uh, mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think Acosta uh, should foul him uh, or at least, you know, get a piece of him. Get a For piece sure. Of, get a piece of something. Uh, Beckerman would have made that foul yeah I think I think a lot of uh, experience would have gone a long way there if you if you had any other player in that situation uh, maybe maybe it ends up differently you know I'm not knocking Acosta because I think he's a fantastic player I think he's our future yeah Um, but I think in that moment um, you have to have a little bit of soccer sense and say we're away from home Uh, you know all of our big boys are just in the box sprinting back uh you know Chicharito's on the ball facing our goal right and you know Vela's out out wide just poaching cuz he you know, obviously wasn't uh, a part of defending the corner kick so these are all things that I think they all thought about but in, in that moment maybe it didn't go well so Acosta doesn't foul him ball gets played out to to Vela and um we all know everyone in the stadium everyone in the world knows that Vela's left-footed and right. he's going to want to come inside Um, I don't know if the listeners saw Taylor Twelman's breakdown of this goal. He was essentially defending, for those who haven't seen it, um, he's essentially defending Beasley, saying that this is not Beasley's fault. This goal was not Beasley's fault because the help that he had in the center, if you're playing a 5-4-1 especially, you're kind of uh, asking your your wing guys on these counterattacks to kind of force into pressure. Um, I get all that, and in the moment where Vela is kind of one-on-one with Beasley and he's kind of at the top of the box, we know everyone in the world knows he's going, he's trying to get to go left. Right. Um, and I think Beasley obviously knows that he's tired. He, he, you know, wants to show him into pressure where he thinks he has some support and help. Uh, and while Vela's coming across the top of the 18, which is obviously the most dangerous spot for him to be coming in, um, Cameron, uh, I can't remember the other two that were right in the vicinity. They kind of drop off, and they and they keep continuing their runs to drop into the box. Yeah, uh, thinking they're going to support, to um, Marcus, and and I think instead of that, if Cameron or one of these uh, players who are tracking back decided to to confront Vela instead of keep dropping, instead of one of us has to go, mm-hmm. um, then you know I th- I think that goal is completely. Uh, you know, mitigated. But that being said, it wasn't, um, who do you blame? I, I mean, you kind of blame the whole team on that one from top to bottom.
0: Fair, yeah. And, and we also are remiss. We didn't even mention the opener, you know, the six-minute right. chip um, from Michael Bradley. How many times in your career have you had a chip like that?
1: <laughs> uh, are you asking me or anyone else in this room? Uh, no, yeah, let's I've actually never, wait for the I've whole never, audience. I've never okay. had that quality of a chip. Before.
0: Listeners, um, have you? That's a zero. They, the, we all struck out. The
1: ability to... First of all, he he read the ball like a, like a all star, you know, center midfielder would. He would he read that ball clearly. He took a touch, um, took a small glance up at where Joe was, mm-hmm. just the ball's rolling away from him. the The degree of difficulty in this shot, I mean, he he clipped it perfectly. I think he said in his, his presser that he yeah. you know he caught it clean. Or I he, just want to catch it clean. I, like yeah, it's so I mean, simple. It was yeah. incredible. Um, <laughs> and right when he hit it. Uh he knew and that's when players know if you if you hit it cleanly, you could see Bradley on the on the film. He's already running to the corner. He knows he hit that well. Um and everyone <laughs> was kind of watching it float into the back of the net. But yeah. um ambitious, yes, but I mean if you're a quality player like Michael Bradley, that's that's par for the course. Yeah.
0: It was strange because Memo Ochoa and then Brad Guzan, who is starting for the U.S., kind of surprisingly over Tim Howard. Both of them played for European sides who were relegated that season, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like in a big game like that, it's a little strange to have a goalkeeper who just suffered a bad season uh, in. Yeah, and then so one gets chipped, the other one. I, I don't think there's anything Guzan could have done on that Vela goal, um, but yeah, I
1: know it's it, it's a tough one. Yeah, um, the, and he's expecting his defenders to to cut off. Uh, you know, a lot of goalkeepers. When you're a defender, you ask your goalkeeper what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if a guy is cutting in like that, I like to ask my goalkeeper because um, you see a lot of a lot of defenders and the best strikers in the world will will hit it right through your legs uh, if you're if you're stretched out reaching for the ball to, to block it.
0: Sure, the Dines of the striker pool. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> and the best and the best strikers will say, "Okay, I know you're going to lunge for it. I'm going to slip it right through your legs near post and." So if you're on the same page with your goalkeeper and you say, hey, if I get in this situation, um, you know what are you comfortable with? And if they say cut off near post, just make sure you're, you know you're blocking off near post. I'll get everything far post. Then you know that's that's a conversation I think that uh, goes a long way because in these situations you've seen, how many times have you seen a, a dangerous striker or a dangerous midfielder come inside mm-hmm. and then act you know, open up and like he's going to hit that far post bender, and then he, he hits it hard and low right yeah.
0: um, We'll just quickly do a whip to the bad. It, there's not much to say about this, but whip, I had to find th- good. something bad this week, and I, I'm going to say that it's, it's this new rumor, uh, the president of the South Korean Soccer Federation said that he wants to initiate a joint bid with North Korea for the 2030 World Cup. You might see a string of tournaments that are hosted by Brazil... Russia, Qatar, United States, and Company, and then the Koreas, which would be a, a really strange uh, quintet, at least in my estimation.
1: I mean, it's, I don't know if that's an olive branch or or what that <laughs> that that seems to represent, but uh, with the current political climate, I. I Nothing is surprising to me anymore. So
0: Entirely fair. And then the weird, uh, this is something that, that came out this last week about Francesco Totti, who still, I can just throw in a quick news, uh, he hasn't decided between whether he's going to retire or whether he's going to sign with Miami FC. That offer is still on the table. Uh, I've been trying to track that down for two Italians, weeks. Those sneaky Italians.
1: Those sneaky Italians. They'll find
0: a way, man. Um, but his request for his final game, it was a, a big fixture against Genoa. Rome needed Roma needed to win to secure a place in the Europa League. So they were in that second Europa League spot in Italy. And so they needed to win to make sure that they're going to make the Europa League. Totti Toddy said, or this is from, I think, one of his teammates that he was speaking with. One day he would say that he was quitting. The next he was say that he was going to keep playing. Before the roma Genoa game, we all got together in the dressing room, and Toddy said, if I get a penalty, I won't score it. I will kick it into the Curva Sud, which is the supporters section. So even if it was tied, he was just going to lob it like Wayne Rooney, straight into the supporters as a nice, friendly gesture, which makes no sense to me. I don't think any fan would be like, I'm glad he missed that, because the, the fan would have to return the ball, right? Like, it's not even, like, one maybe lucky fan. It, you know? Yeah, that's true. Anything goes. Yeah. Uh, so for you, you're playing in your historic final game. Sure. A decade down.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: and you're. we're just going to place you. You're playing with Huddersfield Town. Minnesota United. Minnesota maybe. United. Okay, fair. What do you want to do in your final game? Your toddy punt into the the stands. Well,
1: I would tell, you know, if I were here in Minnesota, for instance, with these fantastic Minnesota United fans, uh, I would say that I would, every time that I booted the ball into the stands, and I would do it consistently, I would get the ball from my left winger, turn and bang it into the stands 30 <laughs> yards to the right side of the field. Every time that Jebrowski hits a ball into the stands, everybody in the stands has to either drink a beer, Uh, you know, the, for the kids that were in attendance, they have to drink a root beer, so they're all, you know, jacked up on that, sure. That's responsible. That's good. Very okay. responsible. Um, If you're not a drinker, then, you know, you have to get up and, do some funny, I don't know, funny dance to say that you're not a drinker. I don't know. Sure, but okay, good. Anyway, good. Yeah, just to just to let people know. <laughs> and then I would have a have a I think I'd have a deal with, you know, the Minnesota team saying, Hey, you know, if I had a career like Toti, for instance, which, which you will. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, no. It means I'll be playing until I'm like sixty. Get ready. Uh Minnesota United, get ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it would just be an absolute party. And then after I would have everyone on the field and we would just have a uh, just a massive uh, get together party and enjoy the time. I don't know, like I, I can't even imagine being as <laughs> having a, a going away game in your name. That's yeah.
0: insane. it would have been great if he'd kicked the ball in the stands, put out a public apology about it to get the fans back and say, like, "I did this for you, I swear." They tie Genoa, they lose the Europa League, but he wins them back and then he signs for Miami FC. That would be the biggest emotional roller coaster.
1: Something tells me that the amount of money that Toti's made over his career could cover the money that is lost by not being, you know, like not being in the Europa
0: League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
1: true. He could write a simple check and just ease everyone's.
0: That's game. like half a year of Miami FC money yeah. too. To be fair, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we are going to take a dive into the U.S. Open Cup, um, a tournament that MLS teams really only care about in the fifth round of it and so we're going to reminisce about open cups past, talk about the format of it a little bit and give a very quick preview of next week's fixture so stick around Welcome back to the 551 podcast. Uh, Last week, 551 launched our reader poll. It's a best-of list to vote for your favorites from bars to players like Jeb Brofsky to outdoor spots. It also tells us at 551 a little bit about who our readers and listeners are. If you go to the website and take the three and a half minutes it takes to fill the survey out, you'll be entered to win one of five $20 gift cards to Town Hall Brewery. The survey is only going to be helpful if each of you fills it out, and uh, I'll make sure to throw a link in the episode description. So we're back here, Jeb Brofsky, Uh Hope you didn't hear me name drop you there. What's up, buddy? And um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the U.S. Open Cup. Let's so you debuted in 2011,
1: 2012? In MLS. In yes. MLS, yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't play in the uh, U.S. Open Cup until 2015. That's crazy. I was in the Canadian Cup, man. It's another world up there.
0: But. So then you make your debut, your long-awaited debut in 2015 and we won't go into that game too much because it's kind of a reversal of fortunes compared to that sort of thing. It's a tough one. It's the NYCFC Cosmos fixture, mm-hmm. um, tied two two. You played every minute. Goes to penalty kicks. Did you take a kick? I didn't. I was the sixth, uh,
1: the sixth man. Oh, okay. I couldn't okay. even make the depth chart of my penalty kicks, and I raised <laughs> my hand to ask for. It. <laughs> I said, "I'm going to take one. I want to take one." But
0: and the, and instead so they said, next. "Ethan White, you're yeah. next," or whatever.
1: Hopefully that guy doesn't need to take one.
0: (laughs) And then, well, you didn't need to because the Cosmos won 4-3.
1: You're the best guy that we don't want to take one.
0: Is it worse to be the sixth guy or the tenth?
1: It's worse to be the sixth guy because you know that you should have been in the top five and that your heart wanted you to be in the top five. Yeah. And it's worse to be the sixth guy on a a team that loses because a team that loses means that someone missed. Or two people, maybe, yeah. you, You know, you're kind of sitting there going like, wanted to take one i swear to god but you you kind of look like one of those guys you know usually in penalty kicks coaches will come by and they'll say uh who wants to take one like who is like feeling it and you know you got right on confidence on that and which is a great way to approach penalty kicks like who is feeling it right now yeah um and there was you know there was some guys that obviously raised their hands and and you know were probably higher up on the field. So they were like the more right pro- yeah, yeah, more yeah. probable to finish the ball into the net. Um and, and so I got kind of relegated to six. And at that point you're kind of like, well yeah, I hope it gets to me. But you know, I'm kind of pissed off that
0: I could- <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't take one. But no, it that.
1: was uh that was an incredible game, uh just as a New York player because the New York fans took it so seriously and the Derby matches out in New York were unbelievable. And, yeah. and yet the Cosmos fans were, when New York City came into the league, the Cosmos fans were kind of like the the odd green balls out there that were like, hey, we still have a good team in New York. We want to prove ourselves. But everyone's talking about the Red Bulls and NYCFC. Right. And so at this time, it was, it was a big deal. You know, it was it, to our club, to, to Jason and to uh, all the coaches... It was obviously like, hey, you need to take care of business. You know, I know you're yeah. playing in at Hofstra and you're doing all this, but you need to take care of business. Sure. So we that's how we approached it. But it, you know, it um, to the Cosmos credit, they stuck to it the the way they usually do all yeah. the way until 90 minutes. They tied the game at the very last, uh, very last drop of the hat, and it was anyone's game going into penalties.
0: Yeah. So then, the next year, you're on the NASL side. You're the scrappy underdogs at yep. home, much like the Cosmos and the other one. Um, that game against Kansas City, this is where we're kind of getting into a pseudo-preview by doing a review of last year. Hey, hey. Um, 11 yellow cards. Surprisingly, yeah. I don't think you had one. That actually did surprise me that I had, day, I, I had uh, At that time, I had torn my shoulder to shreds the, yeah, the week before. That's, the, it was honestly
1: a week, I think a week and a half before that game. Mm-hmm. Was the Tampa Bay game where I I uh, destroyed my shoulder? That's right. Yep. And uh, full disclosure, I was on a lot of um, numbing medication just to get in that Kansas City game because I you know I really wanted to play. And right. I I said this is a game that um, if Carl needs me, if if the team needs me, or if I can do better than say my substitute, because I I'm never the type of player that says I need to play no matter what. If a guy behind me can do the better job, do the better job. Yeah. But at that point, I was like, I know these Kansas City guys. Um, I had, uh, obviously the shoulder was just killing me. And in the first five minutes, uh, Espinoza got away from me to my right. And I grabbed his shirt and he just like, as he ran by me, just ripped my shoulder. So all the pain medicine was gone (sighs) by like the fifth minute. Oh, that Um, sucks. yeah it was it was a tough game but the uh the energy and the guys in the locker room and i remember the just the energy of the fans i think there was a true belief that we were going to win that game Mm -hmm. there was a true belief in the in the locker room there was a true belief after you know christian buried that penalty um that there was no way that kansas city is going to beat us this game yeah and you know they had kind of come in with the MLS mentality, kind of like, hey, we're gonna, you know, put the game at our pace.
0: Yeah, Beasley was out, Zusi was out, and I think they, well, they swapped out Tim so the, Melia for Alec Khan.
1: Yeah, those, so those three were the main switches. Um, and I, and I had seen, you know, they put. I knew they were trying to win the game because I saw the way that Vermees was was playing the game. I saw the way that his his lineup was, the mm-hmm. players that were available. Talking to the guys. You know, I know guys on the, on that Kansas City team talking to them about who's healthy, who's not, um, who traveled, who who didn't. Yeah. It was obvious that Kansas City took it seriously. It really was. It's not that for me, you know, took that game lightly. It's not that, um, you know, that they thought they were the MLS team that was going to come in here and win four 0 I I think that there was some serious concern on their part that said, hey, we need to have the Fellhobs, the Dwyers, the Espinozas. Um, we need these guys in here because uh, if the work rate's not there, these this Minnesota team is dangerous.
0: Sure. So then you guys, yep, you you end up losing second half of extra time. Diego Rubio match winner, a name mm-hmm. you don't hear much anymore. Well, he's I think he's hurt. I'm, I, I think am. Diego is. Um, but in that game, what really stood out to you as like, I mean, you mentioned the fans, you mentioned the intensity, you mentioned in the locker room. um both penalty calls were actually suspect, as I remember it. I think the, the one Kansas City got, Brent Coleman had his hand trailing behind him, couldn't move yeah. it at all, and it bounced off of it, and so yep. they called that yep. uh, handball in the box. And then the the one where Danny Cruz got tackled, he was outside the box. Yeah, yeah, like by like a foot. So I understand, yeah. but he fell in. Yeah. But
1: um, I'm always I'm always calling suspect Danny Cruz penalties. By the way, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, actually. Danny Cruz, okay. if you're listening,
0: let's relive. There's
1: that. no chance that you get fouled, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> In the penalty area, like this, Danny Cruz, Danny Cruz and I go way back. And the, yeah, the, no, let's I just do this. This sounds death. way more interesting. I love the guy to death. Yeah, um, and, and we always had a joke that uh, on on the team that you know Danny would, Danny is hundred percent or nothing. He goes, 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 and he will run through a brick wall if you tell him to. I mean, mm-hmm. he, the guy wants to win no matter what. And and when he got that ball, I I always remember. I told uh, you know because Brent uh Danny and I were pretty good uh buddies I know Brent and Danny are really uh still (laughs) still good buddies but um I always remember when he got that ball in that corner um and he kind of hit the ball inside to (laughs) to cut the guy I always knew Danny was gonna get fouled because the way that Danny runs a hundred percent it's either he's going to go down or the defender's going to go down or something's going to... Contact is going to be made. 100%. And that's how Danny plays. And that's yep. that's what I respect about him. That's what I love about him. But
0: And that's probably what you hated when, marking when up got, against him.
1: When that yeah. referee blew the whistle, I go, wow, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's go, Danny. Uh,
0: so looking at that lineup, it's it's uh, for just for nostalgia's sake, you don't have to comment on any of these players if you want to. But we have Sammy Najak in goal. We have JD, Brent Coleman, Damian Lowe, Kevin Venegas, you, Giuliano Viscinchini, Stefano Pino, Ibsen at the 10, Danny Cruz, Christian Ramirez.
1: I mean, that's that's a team that that I I think coached right and 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 played right. I honestly think just looking at that depth chart or just looking at that lineup, um I think I think it could compete uh with with a lot of teams in, in Major League Soccer. I really yeah. do. I really do. I think we had a good lineup that day. Um, you know, I think Ibsen uh, for Minnesota this year, I think you've seen him grow into a a role that he is more comfortable in now that he, um, you know, last year I think he had ups and downs and he, you know, he came in off the bench. He, he, he wasn't starting sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's difficult for a player. But now I think he's found his, his uh his comfort zone where he's he's obviously a mobile guy which which a lot of people in NASL didn't think was maybe real because no, you didn't see it. Yeah, I mean he yeah. he plays the,
0: to the level of the competition around sure, him. Sure, sure. I think I think yeah.
1: that's what you're seeing. I think he's see, you're seeing a different side of Ibsen this year. Um which was needed, which was mm-hmm. was absolutely crucial that he step up that physicality that, you know, defending that tackling around the 18 yard line because box. I
0: remember in this game he got subbed out in the 61st for Ben Spees yeah and he sprinted to the tunnel after okay. like I don't think I think it was one of two times last year that a player didn't go to the, like, you know, we're supposed to go to kind of midfield, sure. shake the hand, whatever, and run off. One was when Damian Lowe got a red card. So there's sure. no sub coming from him, and he just kind of wanted to yeah, get out of the spotlight. Like, right. I get it. That was the Cosmos Gas game, I think. flopped out of there, yeah. Exactly. This one, though, Ibsen was just, I mean, he came back. I do remember him putting on his his UGG slippers, whatever he had, um, and then coming back out to, to, to join you guys. But... You know, that, that's always, I remember thinking that that version of Ibsen that you just talked about, the the 2017 Ibsen, we'll call it, you know, and parts of 2015, I think we saw it too. I uh, thought that you would see that guy who, who always played to the competition. I think JC Banks is a player who, under the radar, sure. does a lot of this, where when he's playing against the Cosmos, when he's playing as the focal point of the offense for a day, this Open Cup game, uh, I think he came off the bench for a couple of chances, and that, club leone friendly he was just you know a monster out there i think it's i think this is a great point to the fact that a
1: coach that believes in you that shows confidence in you that gives you confidence that Mm -hmm. gives you more leeway and and more um freedom Mm -hmm. i and, and and trust i think that begins to show from a player i think what you know for instance jc has in jacksonville i think that coach um his name is escaping my Mark memory. Lowry. Mark yeah. Lowry. There you go. He he has instilled some kind of confidence in that group that you can definitely see from the outside looking in. You don't even have to be in that locker room to see that that guy has a control over the motivation of that locker
0: room. Well, you have three moles in for, that locker room between pitch, Jack Blake, and J.C. I mean, sure.
1: Yeah, and those guys are always going to work hard. But yeah. you know, even talking to those guys, texting those guys – they have something special going on down there that you know it's just a culture, mm-hmm. and so with Ibsen and and this is this is very true of many even South American guys who maybe come to uh, U.S. leagues, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys. Have have different mentalities than American players. You can't treat them the same that American players are treated. You can't you can't treat Ibsen like you're going to treat a Brent Coleman. You can't talk to a Ibsen like you're going to talk to a Brent Coleman. And the the intelligent managers know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Adrian has has found that sweet spot with Ibsen right now. Is that you know every day in training I'm seeing Ibsen um, work. I'm seeing Ibsen be one of the fittest guys on on the uh fitness you know drills. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing this guy. I mean anyone who doubts that fit, that Ibsen is is not fit is mm-hmm. is a joke because that I mean he is fit. He is he is very fit. Yeah. Um it's just the motivation with those type of players. It's the it's the impetus to say, hey, uh we need you or uh we need you to be a a focal point in this win and that's something that last year I even tried to to instill on in him and and even um you know Giuliano these guys who have been there done that you just need that motivation you just mm-hmm. need to say hey what's in it for you hey buddy like we need to win this game and yeah. we need to build around you and you give them that kind of confidence you give that kind of like swagger to them and that's where you see the best of Ibsen if you see the best of Ibsen it's when he is Completely calm, completely confident, not rattled, uh, motivated. Something is is like a fire underneath him, mm-hmm. and I, you see it in some games in Minnesota that you, you know this year that you see in MLS that you didn't see in the NASL. You go, whoa, you know, Ibsen is is turning it on right now. He's yeah. he's doing something he didn't do last year. The absurdity. You're right. He he yeah. he's got that, and, and it's just it's it's a trigger for every player, and I think even Brent Coleman, you know, for for Brent transitioning from last year to this year um Brent's a raw athlete. He, obviously he's just a he he's a raw athlete, he's a raw player. He he he's going to outwork the the striker in front of him. But now you see a Brent Coleman this year who is who is thoughtful, who mm-hmm. is is analyzing, who is uh covering for for other players. You know like so you see a guy who is developing his game to another level, and I think that speaks to a lot of maybe what the coaching staff's doing, and 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 to what these individual players are doing. Is saying, "Hey, I need to step up a little bit from mm-hmm. last year because there there is a difference between the NHL of 2016 to the MLS in 2017. There's sure. a massive, there's a massive difference between the MLS in 2017 and the MLS in 2011 when I came into the league. There's sure. a massive difference of quality, of know how, of uh, everything. I mean, to, to win an MLS 2017, it takes a special breed, and so I think these guys are doing a fantastic job. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I took this on a completely different tangent from um, the U.S. Open Cup,
0: but which is totally fine with me. Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, what, what I'm kind of what I'm kind of alluding to is that these guys who have come up from major, uh, from N.A.S.L. to Major League Soccer, and even guys like J.D. and Viva. Mm-hmm. Um, you know i i know the fans are kind of are, are kind of saying you know what's going on with these guys these guys are are working every single day as hard as they can you know they're doing their jobs um it's up to the coach it's up to the coach to decide who's the 11 on the day and you know for a lot of these guys it's a good test it's it's a good test to say where can i be in the next level and and mm-hmm. where do i need to be um but i think it's a challenge that these guys that the Minnesota fans saw in 2016 are taking on in 2017 that I think every guy's mind for what I've seen as a, you know, a guy who's been in three expansion years. Right. I think that these guys from the Minnesota team last year, every single guy, um, you know, you're talking about Ish, Viva, JD Ibsen, uh, tell me if I'm missing somebody. Uh Brent. Uh, Christian. Some guy named uh, Christian. Yeah. yeah. Some guy named Christian Ramirez. Brent. You know, you can throw Miguel in there. Mm-hmm. Um these guys are changing their psyche. They're they're changing their their way of of potential. Like they're they're saying to themselves, I need to find another level. Sure. And I think that you've seen in the last, you know, few weeks or few months that um the learning curves are, are starting to quicken and and these guys are learning and right. and and they're they're playing they're playing well um so so anyways from from my uh tangent i'm sorry but it, totally it's, it's 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 an incredible improvement that i i have seen personally as a as a friend as a player mm-hmm. as uh you know just even as a fan mm-hmm. um of all these guys i've seen a change in them a positive change from all of them that's kind of been like you know inspiring to me because i i see them and i say you know what that's what i thought that you you might have needed you know that's what i thought i knew you probably would have had to bring that up a little bit Mm -hmm. and they did it they did it without a without any question so i think they're doing a fantastic job
0: completely agree Um, We have a a two-part question from Jim at New Skull. Uh, I'll handle the first... Well, I don't know. You jump in if you want to on this one, and if you don't want to, totally fine. Jim asks, when is it right to tank the domestic cup competition and focus on the league? So we're looking at the U.S. Open Cup. We're looking at the FA Cup. uh, League Cups across the world. How hard is that to do as a player on the field? It's... So, I... I think there's a right way and a wrong way to indicate that you might be focusing on the league. I think what you mentioned with the Canadian Cup is a, is a good point. You know, if you're doing the midweek fixture in Edmonton, you know, that's when you're giving the sure. chance to the young guys. You know, sure. and you're saying, OK, Devay, Nesta. That's if you have a
1: game on Saturday and Sunday and right. you're saying, hey— You know, let's go get a
0: result. Yep, let's focus on that one. We can have a return leg in the case of the Canadian. Um, So I I think rather than just punting and playing tactically poor, and I think Jim's getting at this, squad rotation, you know, Minnesota United this Wednesday Mm -hmm. is going to need to rotate the squad out of necessity. Mm -hmm. So Francisco Calvo, Johan Venegas, Kevin Molino, and Jermaine Taylor will not be available for selection. Mm -hmm. Um, Given their international duty, they're going to be returning. They'd get back, I think, like late. Tomorrow night, probably, and so there's no way that they're going to be ready to go to Kansas City. So you're missing. Yeah, I think those guys are.
1: So I think um, those guys are going to meet up with with the club in in Salt
0: Lake, so they won't be available. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's two center backs and two of your main attackers, which just means that sure. you know a guy like Joe Greenspan is pretty safely going to start at center back, unless you're going to uh, Vadim Demidov is the alternative there. Or in the attack, Colin Martin might get a look because the two guys who would usually play centrally with Johan Vanegas and Kevin Molino are out. And so uh, Miguel Ibarra will be available for selection. He's recovered from his strained calf. He will be available. I'm not sure if he'll be tested for that or if Adrian's going to try to prioritize Saturday. Uh, But, you know, a guy like Martin, a guy like Greenspan this might be given all of these circumstances a, a fine game to you know tank is one way for it but just give minutes to guys maybe it's resting mark Burch and starting justin davis at left back see where jd has progressed since his last start which feels like it must have been colorado there about mm-hmm. and you know start Venegas over Tieson maybe at right back see where he's at but I think you're going to be seeing a lot of faces that you haven't necessarily seen in recent weeks.
1: Here and here's here's the difference for me is like it US Open Cup, Canadian Cup, whatever you're talking about. Um this is an opportunity for guys who have not been playing, who, who have been you know, who feel wronged, who feel uh, disappointed, who feel upset maybe that they haven't been selected or they haven't been playing as much as in the league this is an opportunity you know this is this is a a test if you will that um you know the jds the uh vivas um these guys who have been working every single day as hard as everybody else mm-hmm. and and say and you know you go home this is just kind of like a holistic view. Right, you, right, right. You go home to your family, you go home, uh, you know, talk to your friends and your family and they all ask, you know, why aren't you playing? You, you know, you should be playing. You know, everyone's feeding you this stuff because everyone yeah. that you love loves you and everyone that you love feeds you the same stuff that you need to hear is that, you know, you're better than this. You should be playing this. Okay, that's all that's all good and well. Mhm. But these US Open Cup games are is where is where you get your minutes. Sure. I mean, yeah. Okay, fine. That you know, your family's your family's been telling you all this. Your your girlfriend's been telling you this, your wife's been telling you this. Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get your opportunity against uh uh Kansas City on Wednesday night in Kansas City. Let's let's see who's got who's got the cojones to kind of go in there and go, Okay, I've been waiting for this. I'm pissed off. I've got a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. If anything, I'm playing against the coach that has not picked me in the MLS games sure. as much as I'm playing against Kansas City tonight. Yeah, that's fair. That is the type of attitude that wins U.S. Open Cups. That is the type of attitude. That's why you see a lot of the negative, uh, like the MLS teams who are not doing so well in the league, You know, the DC United, the Philadelphia Unions in these mm-hmm. past years win U.S. Open Cup. Why? Because they've got a lot of pissed off second team guys who are saying, I'm going to win this game and you know why is because I'm a professional soccer player I've gotten here mm-hmm. I haven't been getting the minutes in MLS I haven't been getting the media the notoriety whatever you may whatever motivates each player Sure yeah that has not been completed that has not been fulfilled and mm-hmm. these are the type of of moments that I think that these players need um and and that these players even for Minnesota I think it's a it's a fantastic um kind of benefit right now is that Kansas City has been playing well uh, in the league. Mm -hmm. They've been, they've been, you know, getting points. If Kansas City decides that they're going to, which I don't think they will, but if they do decide
0: that they're going to go with a uh, kind of a second rate, if you will, lineup. Well, they will be with uh, sorry to cut you off, but they will be without Roger Espinosa. They'll be without sure. Zussi. They'll be without Beesler. So Look, that's, I mean, that's a few players. Th- they those will are to three
1: yeah, mainstay players. Mm-hmm. If, if they decide to go with some younger talents, you know, maybe sit Sinovich, maybe sit, um, I don't know, Fellhaber. you know, mm-hmm. maybe if they sit these guys, this is a chance for Minnesota players to say, we're away from home. I'm looking to impress my coach. I'm looking to impress the fans back home. I'm looking to impress my family. Whatever I'm looking to yeah. impress myself. This is a game that you can win. I, I, even if Kansas City puts out their their starting eleven, I do think that this is a game just on energy and mm-hmm. passion and fight because I don't think that Kansas City is going to f- sell out this this entire crowd. They're gonna mm, they're gonna right. have some empty seats. They're gonna have. Yeah, they're not gonna have their Saturday crowd. They're not gonna have their Sunday crowd. Mm-hmm. This is a game that you can go win. You just lost to them in the league. You're going right back. Either you're going to get your butt slapped or you're going to slap them right back in the face. And mm-hmm. I think this is an opportunity just for pure motivation purposes, just for pure pissed off purposes. Yes. Just for pure Minnesota versus Kansas City purposes. What what we owe them. You mm-hmm. know, even from last year or the years gone. Mm-hmm. Um this would be a a, a fantastic moral victory uh for the club going forward uh to say that you know we knocked out kansas city in the u.s open cup in kansas city who you know kansas city has had a fantastic run in u.s open cup history right they've been a great team obviously throughout the throughout the u.s open cup and i think this is the moment where minnesota can can do something special
0: if for some reason any minnesota united players listening to this podcast i want you to rewind the last three minutes put it to your favorite film score and then just have you will have your own any given sunday motivation moment and then go out on the field and i wish see i what could happens. be in that locker
1: room man i i honestly wish i i would die to be in that locker room because i think these guys just just playing with them training with them um you know, I can tell. I can honestly tell the Minnesota fans, without a doubt, that these that you have uh, a wonderful team who wants to be here, who wants to fight, who wants to to play for for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it's these moments that kind of make uh, the Minnesota fans remember. I think. I think if they win on Wednesday night, and I think if they do, maybe. Even one nil or you know two one yeah. if it's not good game fine. PK is whatever yeah but if it, if it's a convincing win say mm-hmm. you know this is something that catapults their season this is something that catapults um, you know I didn't we didn't have our our quote unquote best players from you know the World Cup and sure you know the fans may think oh, we're going there with our B squad but don't sleep on the B squad because the B squad is usually where you'll get the most passion the most fight the most heart the most grit. Uh, the most blood and and whatever mm-hmm. it, it these guys want and I hope that these guys go to bed on Tuesday night thinking this is life or death like I want to win for Minnesota and I want to I have something to to prove and yeah. and that's what I you know like I, I I hope these guys go to bed thinking that and I think they will because I know a lot of them personally obviously but mm-hmm. they uh, I I can say that that Adrian is and the staff um, just from training, you know they're not taking this lightly, and they're they're going in there to get
0: uh, to get a win. There you go. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back after this big quarters interlude, we will take a few Twitter questions. We Welcome back to the final salvo of this episode of 551 One Podcast. I'm here with Jeb Brofsky. Thanks for filling in. I, anytime. I appreciate anytime. that. Uh, so, uh, Patreon members, just so you know, Wes accidentally forgot to release this last week, so it came out today, but Patreon members yes. get bonus content from Wes's interview with Joran Buchholz about when Minnesota stars sold the open cup hosting rights in 2012. I'd tell you more about the story, but in order to hear it from Joran himself, just donate a dollar a month, $3 a month, whatever. Um, and we will thank you and we'll give you audio content. There might be a little bit from this Jeb Brovsky interview about the Canadian cup that I might put out on a Patreon mm, as there well. There you go. There you go. Uh, so we've got a few questions here. Uh, Wes Verified Account Berdine asks Jeb, give Who's me that? your top five Disney movies. Pixar does not count. Oh,
1: Pixar does not You don't not have count. to rank
0: these unless you, for some reason, came here yeah. with a five to one. Uh, I don't have a ranking. However, I
1: would say that my no I, I do have a ranking in the sense that my number one undisputed Disney movie of all time would be Lion King. Thank you. Has to be. How can it not be? Yeah. Uh however, I would put in the top five, I recent information let known to me because of my two year old son, I watched Hercules with him. Mm -hmm. and if you watch hercules this will blow your mind really if you watch Hercules, putting the glad and gladiator this is why hercules is now catapulted to my top five disney movies of all time
0: okay it's in mine for sure so i'm curious what took you so long
1: there's a scene when hercules throws off the lion pelt off his head yeah and that is scar yes it is that is scar from lion king which is like if you're a Disney fan, that is like the best thing that could have ever happened. To
0: Standing Carver. ovation, hands waving yeah. in the air. Like, yeah. Okay, so
1: Hercules has to be in your top
0: five for that one moment. For that, if one you're a Lion King fan, to just which to you kill are. Scar
1: because we've all wanted to kill Scar because mm-hmm. Mufasa. Of course, spoilers. A father. To spoilers. Us. He was a father to us all.
0: Yeah. In case Jeb just ruined it. If you it, haven't
1: watched <laughs> Lion King, and you're listening to 551 podcast, shame on you. Shame on you.
0: <laughs> Give me your other three quick. Shame on
1: you. Three other ones, I would say yeah. I would throw Aladdin in there. Aladdin for sure. Because okay. I think Jasmine was one of my first crushes of my Same.
0: life. Same. Raja was as well.
1: She was incredible. Jafar was just just absolutely terrible. hmm mm-hmm. Um you know, I can't even I think you know, West probably put a Pixar like um caveat on here right so
0: it can't use any Pixar movies right and so I'm actually struggling to name four and five Disney movies period because mm. I just the only ones that I would West, ever be West like less we'll
1: have to wait for four and five okay
0: yeah if it, it, Twitter you'll see on Twitter will randomly, your tweet. top four and five Disney movies oh this is good okay so Twitter go to is it at Jeb Brofsky mm. as is okay um, with your fourth and fifth favorite Disney movies Kate Sophia asks I'm reading Ruhlitz's how to watch soccer. So I'm wondering, Jeb, how do you watch soccer? What are you looking for? Where is your attention? You're coming at this from a very different perspective than a casual because a lot of times, um, casual, I'm not saying this as a slight, I'm saying this as people like me who haven't played professional soccer. You know, you're watching the movement of the midfield, you may be watching how the attackers are running, and frankly, sorry, but a lot of times we don't watch the defenders or we sure. don't watch the goalkeeper. So when you're watching a game, let's say you're watching U.S. Mexico, right? You're watching U.S. Mexico on Sunday. What areas of the field are you focusing on?
1: Oh, that's a tough question because when I when I do watch soccer games, um, I'm I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of a bit of a romantic about it. I want to watch the beautiful soccer. I want to watch um, what I think are the the idiosyncrasies or the the small details of what is going on and 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 so I see um maybe more mentality uh differences I I don't know how to explain this um when I when I watch a game say you know obviously if you're watching Barcelona Real Madrid um whatever you're you're watching beautiful soccer a couple of
0: minnows yeah
1: yeah you're watching like you know the other day I was watching Sergio Ramos and he was in the box and he was uh I I've 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 actually been fascinated to understand why Sergio Ramos is such a good uh, finisher in set pieces. Oh God, yeah. Why does he find the ball? It, when I watch the games, I watch things for these little details. I watch what Sergio um, is 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 saying. I, I I try to read their lips. I try to try to see what they're talking about uh, on 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 certain set pieces or you know because. As soon as you can, you can kind of read what they're thinking on certain set pieces or uh, dead ball situations. If you, if you, you know, if the camera happens to hit some player in his face while he's talking, mm-hmm. if you can read what he's saying, that's what I care about. That's what I'm like. What is he saying? What is he saying to the guy? Um, and if and if it's something that's absolutely substantial and and something that's intelligent. And I can kind of read it. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, yeah, he gets it. He
0: knows exactly what's going on. Sure. Uh, and, and whereas so, if we're watching a Minnesota United game, we see Christian Ramirez. It cuts to him after he misses a shot, and he shouts one particular word every single time.
1: Yeah, no, I make I make fun of him all the time uh, yeah. in the locker room. I, I I say, you know, if if you do anything negative, you know, you have to hold the Christian Ramirez head hold, which you know is is a perfect. <laughs> It consists of a perfect smile. Yep. It's like you're testing women, out a Botox surgery and all, pulling all your all muscles on you your face. out there have, have, have definitely melted for. Her. And
0: he holds. <laughs> and some of your men too. He Happy looks Pride up to Month, the
1: sky, as to ask God why this happened to him. Yep. And in beautiful Christian Ramirez's face, it, it, he just says the beautiful f word. Mm-hmm. And I have never said the f word so elegantly than Christian Ramirez. But he just like holds it on the tongue. It's, he does. Yeah, he it's, does. It's like and some it's, rare caviar. It's incredible. But yeah, that's so. Kate, that's that's what I look for. I look for the uh, the small details that maybe no one else is looking for. I'm looking
0: for the feeling. I'm looking for the emotion. Uh, I like the idea of reading lips because then you're actually it's not so much like for the camera. I'm not saying that like you guys are playing for the cameras like I'll do this. But but here's the thing
1: is we are the camera when you're watching a game. You are the camera. You can't. There's no other way of watching a game unless you're there to to watch the camera. So if I'm at a game, say if I'm at a Minnesota United game or, you know, for instance, last year when I was injured, when I would sit in the stands and watch a game. I'm looking for the tactical um, – I'm looking at the bench, and I'm looking at, at the field, and I'm looking at the tactical changes that, that each team are making. For instance, when I was uh, – I messed up my shoulder and uh, Miami was playing Minnesota United.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking at Nesta. I'm looking at Carl Craig. I'm looking at um, the leaders on the field. What tactical transitions or, or changes are you making as leaders – to, to fix what I see from from above and so as a, as a spectator of a, a sport you get to see every game from a spectators spot top center you know uh camera is is floating down on the field you get to see basically what a, a scout gets to see if if a video is sent to you know a scout yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're a scout you want to see one, if i were a scout for instance i would say one what what is the, what is the intelligence of the player that i'm mm-hmm. looking at what is the, what is the type of tactical knowledge that i'm looking at is he in the right spots is he sprinting because he's out of the right spots uh is he communicating to the guy next to him why he's you know what he's looking for um you know for instance an outside back if, is he communicating to his center back what he wants from him because in my mind a center back needs to communicate to the outside back hey this is what you do, mm-hmm. um, and and so those are the kind of relationships that I kind of look for when I when I look at games. Um, it's it's probably not sexy, and, but I I want to think about how this game could get better, how this how this game could get uh, more improved and and even sexier. And I think a guy like Sergio Ramos is a fantastic guy. You know, I watched Z- Zidane was my idol growing up. I can I, see it in how you play. I would watch Zidane. <laughs> You and Zidane have
0: a ton of comparable features I, on your play. When
1: I was younger, I like I <laughs> would do anything for Zidane. I I, I would listen.
0: Well, you also would, mentioned uh, Eric Cantona, right? Sure, and Roy Keane. I mean, Roy these Keane. guys were. Yeah, my, Michael Owen. Yeah,
1: but 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 that's the thing is like I'm watching for my personal um, inspiration. So if I'm playing center center midfield, I'm watching a game completely different than I'm watching. If I'm a right back or a left back, I'd believe that. I 100. Yeah. And and you're you're a lunatic to to not watch a game, uh, with with an intent in a subliminal intent in your mind. You know, ask a question. Ask a good question. Ask a good question in your mind before you watch this game. Mm-hmm. What What am I looking for? What What do I want to see? Um, even ideally, what What is my perfect game like? Or if I were a coach, say I were coaching one of these sides in this game, what would I do and what and as you watch the game, how would you change your tactics because a lot of coaches, I know a lot of coaches come under flack and a lot of players come under flack. But you have to realize a lot of players are the soldiers. Okay, the soldiers right. do what the generals tell them. Mm-hmm. So if if you say this player is 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 absolute shit, he doesn't play well, he doesn't do what he should should do, Take that as a grain of salt because he's probably doing what his coach told him to do if he's on a a, a team who's obviously struggling. Right. And
0: the worst players, the worst will not only be bad at soccer, but they'll be bad at listening to what the coach wants them to do. Or just out of position or
1: these are are small subtleties that I think that a lot of fans, just general fans, if you're watching a game and you say, oh, this player, you know, say, check your evaluations of players. Mm -hmm. If if you check your evaluation of players, say, why am I evaluating this player? Am I evaluating him on goal scored, assists? Uh, am I analytically looking at him like passes connected? Are
0: you watching the games, or are you just looking at the stats?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, like that's the type of stuff that like, if, if you're a true fan of the beautiful game, if you're a true fan of soccer, watch the game, uh, understand as on a human level where things are going in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you put yourself in that player's perspective, what would you be thinking? Maybe you don't have the technical, you know, physical, whatever aspect that they do, yeah. and, and the know-how. Mm-hmm. But what would you be thinking? And that kind of changes the fan experience to say, you know what, uh, this is this is a lot more complicated than I thought. This is a lot more detailed than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, these players are a lot more intelligent than I thought. So you know every time you see a player uh for for me diving is the worst thing in the world for instance (laughs) i i think it is below espionage like it is just like (laughs) it is like the worst thing you can do sure um don't dive don't act it's not about um feigning anything it's not about faking anything it's not about uh you know fame and fortune and all that stuff like it's called the poor man's game for a reason, mm-hmm. but it's also the beautiful game for a reason. Sure. So if you can see through both of those, if you can see um, the work that goes into every single week, if you are the smartest team on the day, mm-hmm. you are going to you come out with a victory. And that is why MLS I think is so special is because we don't have uh, teams paying uh, $100 a hundred million dollars for one one single player,
0: or a team who can be brave enough, like Monaco, to be like, "We got a hundred fifty million dollar offer from Arsenal, and we're going to turn it down." Right, like that would never right. happen in MLS. MLS. Would take that in a heartbeat. And oh say, my god! Okay, and they would they they close the league. Where, yeah, yeah. That's I it. don't even
1: know what the fine print says. Who cares? Let's sign it.
0: Kyle Laren for five, sure. Yeah, Mbappe exactly. for one hundred fifty, and, sure.
1: and so and so that is why. And and tying back to our U.S. Open Cup talk Mm -hmm. that is why this league is is special that's why this league is interesting to to study especially if you're a fan watch watch Wednesday night watch Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of Minnesota United watch Wednesday night and say who and, and ask yourself questions why who wants to be there what player on the field do I see really wants to be there yeah and and not just for the fame for the fortune whatever wants to play the game and wants to win the game, and that's okay. that's what we're looking for, right? I want to see players who want to win the game. Mm-hmm. I don't care about tactics. I don't like if if a if a coach has a tactic on the day, great, and I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the field, say you know USA uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. if Bruce Arena had a had a tactic, and those guys saw something different on the Azteca field, they go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. That's what I look for. Sure, Dude, are you changing? Are you are you molding your game to win the game? Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be sexy. I don't want it to be cute. I don't want it to be. I,
0: I don't care. I want to see teams that have figured out how to win. So you're watching it in an American way, or in an MLS way, for the Canada listeners no, out there, because no, I, I mean, feel like I've to Canada in this episode. I'm already. honestly
1: watching it as as a, a fan of beautiful. I, I love beautiful soccer, obviously, but to but me, I want to see who really wants to win, and that's and, sure. And, and and you can tell that as just a human being doesn't you don't need to be a, a professional scout to know that Mm-mm. who wants to win you just look at a field and you can tell me as a human being who wants to win the game that's true and yeah. i will guarantee you over over 50 percent 100 i mean over 50 percent in mls if you watch a game and you say who wants to who wants it more that team will win i mean over and over again yeah there's, it doesn't matter who's on the field. It doesn't, and that's what makes mm-hmm. Major League Soccer special. Is that it has that quality
0: of compared, who wants it who compared wants to it. other leagues. Like if you see, you went, you talked probably about forty-five minutes ago <laughs> about the, uh, you know, if you're watching a whole City, but I'm gonna take your Burnley and I'm gonna substitute with Chelsea. Sure. If whole City's at home, Chelsea's on the road, you still know Chelsea's gonna win. You know, or at least you have you have so much
1: information to say that. Uh, I will put money on this on Chelsea winning because I know with the quality and the difference of talent level and the coaching and everything, mm-hmm. there's a a massive. If you're a betting man or woman, mm-hmm. you are putting your money on Chelsea, right? But in in Major League Soccer, if anyone tells you that I will put my money one hundred percent on this, this, and this, there they're an absolute lunatic who yes. needs to be checked into a mental hospital because I will guarantee you that they will be surprised (laughs) over
0: 50% of the time. That's very true. Yes. And it's one of my favorite things about covering this league. Sure. Honestly, it's been, you know, it makes it difficult too. it really does. And that's why you don't hear me anymore. I think I did for the first two episodes. I made predictions and now I don't, I didn't make a prediction on this because it's futile. And honestly, I can't tell just from my side of it as someone who covers major league soccer, I can't tell you who's going to win until the lineups come out.
1: And then mm, I can start to get a sense.
0: But I can start to get a sense. Like when I would SKC say, I would came, say when the lineups come in, you flip a coin. But for me, it was when SKC came to Minnesota. Sure. And when you saw Igor Juliao was starting at right back, Miguel Ibarra's at left sure. wing. And I was like, that's the weakness. As long sure. as Miguel's okay. mentally in the sure. right spot, yeah. that's, that's two goals right there. But the yeah. that's
1: the thing. That's is, the thing. Is, are you willing to spend money in Major League Soccer on, is Miguel Ibarra ready on this day? Sure. You don't know that. As as a fan, as a as a better as Mm-mm. as anything, you're right. You don't know that as an investor. So mm-hmm. so you're looking at major league soccer, and I know major league soccer. Side note: There's probably a lot of money, billions of dollars, bet on this league. Definitely, I will guarantee the returns on this league are not that good <laughs> because, and, and that's what I value in this league is it's that American fantastic. spirit. Yeah. Why is because the American players, no matter if you have the Schweinsteigers, you have. You know, the the Gerrards, the Keens, uh, you mm-hmm. know, whoever you have.
0: Your, your, your buddy Frank you, Lampard.
1: Yeah, You have yeah. American guys. You have young South American European guys who want to make a living, who want yep. to bust their ass to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to find that level of respect as you do in Europe, as you do in, uh, you know, South America, wherever you may be. Yeah. And 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 to tie into the last point or to the point 45 minutes ago, like you said, (laughs) Ibsen has found that.
0: Oh yeah. We talked about that. He's a
1: classic example of a guy who in all my career, I have thought that maybe guys like Ibsen have faded out in MLS. They would, they would fade out. They would just, you know, you know, have a, maybe a solid half a year and then fight out. So a
0: non DP international. Sure. Exactly. And these, these are the type of guys that, Honestly, win you MLS Cups. You know who I would make the MVP of MLS today? And you can tell me I'm wrong, and you're probably right. Victor Vasquez at Toronto, who is a TAM-level international. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I would say you're completely wrong on MVP level, but I would say that
0: on... on Best, on, best 11, all-star something. Yes,
1: I would say he's done fantastic.
0: But years. he fits that mold, the Ibsen guy. To me, I think he's the MVP. I'll just defend myself very quickly here, because Toronto has a lot of flux... Josie has missed games, Javinko has missed games, but Vasquez has found a way to keep that team with a Raheem Edwards who has zero sure. MLS experience before this year and l- made him look like a bona fide MLS starting attacker. Sure. You know, but. is able to work with the Osorios with when Javinko is ready, with the Altador's off the bench. He is pulling all those strings and he's making Toronto in, in an Eastern conference that we both agree is very deep this year. Absolutely. Two to eleven is separate by like nine points. Absolutely. Toronto is still the upper crust of that conference. That Absolutely. says something to me. I would
1: and and I would echo that, but I would also rebut that if you look at that Toronto team and you look at the way they built it mm-hmm. um, from the from if you look at all aspects from defense to offense, they have a, a core group of guys who have MLS experience. They have and and you know Michael Bradley, I think is a special case like, yeah, people say like well, DP's or whatever, but Michael Bradley is a special case. He's been in MLS, he's been in uh America. He's obviously mm-hmm. the United States captain. Like he he's a different case. Don't don't say that Bradley and Altidore are you know, uh different DP's because they're 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 not. Right. They're they're American players. Yep. They understand the system. They understand the leadership that yeah. goes with it. Um but you look at, you know, guys like Drew Moore who I'm glad that has had that heart scare gone. Um, yeah, yeah, same here. Um, you know, guys like Justin Morrow, who I played with in Notre Dame, like mm-hmm. these guys. These guys are MLS proven battle guys. Who are, you know, even Hagland, who, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, if yeah. if you look at him as a center back, you would say distribution wise, he's probably not there. No, but heart wise and fight wise and and wants to win wise, mm-hmm. I want that guy on my team. Sure. And, and so that's the type of stuff that wins in MLS. You have these special talents like Giovinco, like you said, Vasquez. These guys will win you games, mm-hmm. sure. But mm-hmm. you won't win those games when you're giving up goals. So, and, so, and, so, and so that's that's where I think that the value, my my personal value, my bias, I will 100% say I'm biased as an American player, is yeah. that these guys with MLS experience, these guys who have been there, done that in this league, Hold the team together, and I think that's what you see in Atlanta. I think that's what you see in Orlando. Uh, I can go on and on Mm -hmm. about this, but I think that's where you see the value.
0: Sure, I like that. We can continue this conversation for hours. We have before. One hundred percent. I'm going to give you three questions. All right, Kate, that was your question, Kate. (laughs) You've got three questions coming your way. You get thirty seconds each. Oh my god! Ready? Question one. Do you guys being professional soccer players ever play other sports against each other in the off season. And is there anyone I'm going to say in Minnesota in particular, sneaky good at another sport?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we play, we play some other sports together. Um, you know, I play golf all the time with the guys on the team. Um, I would say since Bernardo has been injured, he has been, he's been getting good on the links. Um, okay. JD has always been a solid player on the links. Okay. So watch out for those guys. Um, but other than that, you know, I haven't played, you know, like we, you know, basketball and hockey and all those other things I haven't really played, but, sure. um, Brent Coleman is a very good fisher. I I will tell you that. Yeah, and yeah. from my previous teams, I will, uh, two, two name drops here. Go for it. Tommy McNamara is a fin. <laughs> oh, Tommy. Tommy's, Tommy's the man. Um, he, He's a fantastic. Uh, I won't even say. Poku is a fantastic ping pong player. <laughs> okay, which is Tommy McNamara could have played. Oh my god! Uh, like the sport he played was. I, I'm not even gonna say. Wow. He's I'm, fantastic. Tommy McNamara is the man. Just let, let you know that. Okay. He's the man. So
0: we're gonna continue the legend of Tommy McNamara by not even naming the sport. He's that's good
1: at. that's that's the thing about Tommy McNamara is like if you the less you know about him the more legend he just absolutely becomes.
0: I he's, love this. I absolutely love please, this. Please, I
1: I don't want to give anything about Tommy away because I think his legend is growing. Mm-hmm. He's like the American Pirlo. I think he's just gonna keep Ooh. going. Like yeah. his attitude. Just knowing both those guys, Tommy is the American. Version of of Pirlo, like just his attitude and how he sees
0: things, and he's laid back. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tommy. I love every second of this. Dan Mick, this is a a really complicated question that I'm giving you apparently 30 to 60 seconds on. Oh my God, is a 28 man roster enough for an MLS season given international duty, US Open Cup play, and USL affiliation loans? (laughs) Are you asking me that? 30 seconds. (laughs) Are you asking me, a tech director, (laughs) Brovsky? Trying to get a, a contract, I can you give you an need? answer. I can give you an answer. And I'm going to say 28 is not enough. I understand with the salary cap restrictions, you'd have to increase the salary cap. You'd have to increase minimum wage in order to field more yeah, than 28 but that,
1: guys. And that's all getting back to your your collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. with the league. You're going to get back to a CBA. You know, you're five years away from that. So true. You're never going to be close to that. Okay. Um. You know, it, in my it, in my experience, is it enough? Yes just from a um, locker
0: room perspective I'll yes there are is. enough dudes here
1: it, it is if you get those middle range guys say the say the guys who start games um, but maybe aren't regular starters sure what are the attitudes of those guys what are my attitudes of the guys that are um, maybe on the depth chart of like 12 to 22 okay what if if you have a good attitude of those guys if you have a, a good hunger mm-hmm. from 12 to 22 uh 28 is not a problem because you know those guys are going to be a core of any u.s soccer game uh you know u.s open cup game you got going on yeah Yikes. um any any anything that you've got going on even training you know if these guys aren't playing what's the attitude of those guys mm-hmm. if uh you know say the you, the coach used three subs on Saturday and you have 14 guys who are kind of laying laying low on Monday um for whatever reason what's what's the attitude of the 15 through 28 sure. that is what i'm really like that's what i where i turn on i'm like what is how is that team a good team why because the 14 through 28 are bought in sure. and and so that's where i think 28 is enough i mean it's it's plenty enough it's just what
0: kind of culture are you build are you building i have to say your 30 to 60 seconds last longer than they do for sir alex ferguson you know and that's incredible don't invite me next time jeff i will keep inviting you <laughs> and the last question comes from jake Ruder, who asks bro tanks yes or no you're here and i will play the fashion critic is, for that,
1: it. is that your like uh that's my brother is that your brother that is um, my brother Scandinavia
0: yeah he, I don't know why but he went with the you umlaut recently okay. I haven't asked him about that I've been nervous
1: okay. so Jeff and Jake Reuter there you go um bro tanks um I would say you know I would say limit them unless they have like uh you know a Teddy Roosevelt you know joke on them or you know something specific you know something specific that's that lets you know that that lets everyone else know around you that hey I'm not that much of an asshole, but I, I'm here to party. Like that type of bro tank, I think is okay. Okay. But if you're like a frat boy bro tank, yeah, uh, just exit, man. Just exit because right. it's. Um, I don't think anyone would appreciate that.
0: And on that note, I'm actually going to exit the podcast. Here. <laughs> so huge, huge thanks to Jeb Brodsky. Um Oh, thanks for having me again. You, uh, you're at Jeb Brodsky on Twitter. Uh, so we can follow along with yeah. everything going on with you. Let me know. Um, you're writing for Umbro, et cetera. Uh, you can find me at Jeff Ruder, R-U-E-T-E-R. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps people find us. It boosts us a little higher in the search ratings or whatever. And if there is any sort of content questions that you have throughout the week, you can DM me, you can DN Wes, but he's verified now. and I mean, you're verified, so you can understand stand He's changed. Yeah, he's a changed man. He's changed. He got the blue check, and suddenly, you know, he's off with Manchester United. It's too bad. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week. And thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you in the comments of 55.